Welcome back, Coyotes fans, to another rendition of the Chirpin' Yotes podcast with a very special guest. Uh, we have Mike Gould, I got that right, I think, uh, of the, it was the NHL face-off, right? I did my research, I promise. Daily and face-off. Daily face-off. I, I was yeah. close. I'm sorry about that. That's all right. I don't have my coffee yet. Uh, we also, the rest of the boys, we have Grandy, we got Haynes, we got Matt. Boys, how are we doing? Doing good. Doing good. Let's get this show rolling. Living life. Let's get going. Living life. Let's get going. All right. Well, Mike, real quick, I'm going to pass the floor on to you if you want to go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself and let the fine people know what you do. Sure. Uh, Mike Gould, I'm from Calgary. Uh, I've covered the Flames up here in the Wranglers for a couple of years now. Uh, covered the Coyotes a little bit, uh, going back a few years, going back to the old Five for Howling days with Carl Pavlock and all those guys. And uh, yeah, it's been sort of a two-team interest for me for quite a while, but I do a lot of NHL stuff too uh, with Daily Faceoff. And, and yeah, it's been, uh, been quite the journey and uh, pleasure to be here. So I got to ask, um, how, uh, when you got into this, obviously the Coyotes were in the Pacific with the Flames. How'd you end up looking and following two teams in the same division? Uh, when I was really get yeah, when I was really getting into hockey, um, actually, uh, they were actually in two different di- divisions back then too, because the Flames were in the Northwest Division. That was way back, and um, that was sort of back when Arizona had uh, it was still Phoenix, obviously, and had Dave Tippett and Mike Smith and and Verbata and and Bray Whitney, and and that was sort of that time period. Um, and so they were in the Pacific at that point, and it just so happened that the NHL went to four divisions after that. And now they're in the central and yeah, it's, it's never really been too much of a consideration to be honest, because they've never really been good at the same times. Um, and right now I don't think either team is all that good, but um, you know, it's just the way that it's worked out. All right. Yeah, it's definitely cool. You got to cover the run. That was a great year, 2012. So I didn't get to cover the run. Uh, I wasn't quite you know, into that business at that point then, but I did watch it very closely. All right. Well, so the next thing, we're going to cover the prospects and what we've got with the draft. I know uh, Matt and Grandy are chomping at the bit for that. So, Grandy, if you want to go ahead and start that off for me. Uh, actually, this Mike wanted to start on this one, so let's, let's let him. This was his subject Gee. he wanted. Boy, everybody's going back to me. Well, you know, drafts and prospects, I mean, boy, I don't know even where to start. And, like, maybe somebody else can even lead me in on this one, but I just think that with the way that things are going uh, right now with the Coyotes, you know, they've got the center, I think, and Logan Cooley, who they need. And it'll really all depend on who, what shakes out in the top five when they end up picking there. Cause I think that's where they're going to end up picking. But I don't know about you guys, but I think the one thing they really need and the big reason why I was so keen on them getting another first round pick this year, which they got was they need a defenseman. And there's a few guys available in the mid-range of this uh, first round. And I was fortunate enough to go to the Holinka tournament last year in Red Deer. And uh, a couple guys, you know, there's there's a lot of guys in that mid-first round range. And I think you know, that sort of leads into a pretty good segue about the Coyotes' defense core and their pipeline at defense. I think that's their biggest weak link right now. So who stood out to you the most? Um, who is it that you'd like to see the Coyotes yeah. take? Last year, I mean, it was all about sort of Axel Sandin Pelica, uh, who is from Sweden. I don't remember if I got to see David Reinbacker last year, but he's an Austrian who has been playing in Switzerland. And the crazy thing about Reinbacker, he's a 6'2 right-handed defenseman, um, but he's playing in the Swiss National League, which is the top league in Switzerland. And when Roman Yossi was his age, I think he had like something like nine points in his draft year in the Swiss NL. And this year, Reinbacker's got 22 points in the Swiss national league. And when JJ Moser was their age, she wasn't even in the Swiss national league. Uh, I mean, this guy is playing against men. It's one of the leagues that I think gets really underrated when you look at draft prospects, the Swiss league, because it's a professional league. I mean, you look at guys playing in the USHL and they're like playing against kids in the CHL, the same thing, but this guy's a guy who's playing top four minutes against men. And I don't know about you guys, but I think the defense pipeline, they need a guy like that in there. Yeah, I definitely couldn't agree more with you on that. Yeah, I love Ryan Backer's game from everything I've seen and read on him. If he can, if he can last there, or if we can trade up to get him, that I'd all be all 
completely on board with that pick, that's for sure. I don't think uh, at five, I think we're going to come away with another oh, yeah. stud forward. Hopefully another center so we can kind of increase that center pipeline, get a really nice, solid one, two, three punch with Cooley, the 23 draft pick, and Geeky down the middle. But then you got to build down the middle. That includes defense, and we don't have a lot of in there right now for that. It's really Duda and uh, Lamoureux. Yeah, Lamoureux, yeah. yeah. Really, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, nothing that really screams top pairing or even really. I mean, you got guys that probably have ceilings of second pairs, and yeah, that's Huge. if they hit their absolute top ceiling. So, Martin so, Duda is a wild card. Yeah, hundred percent. Very, I love very much so. I, very much so. If he makes it over from Russia, his game uh, would probably translate pretty well. Uh, as an offensive defenseman, um, definitely like him a lot. Uh, sticking with defensemen, uh, Coyotes have are gonna have a, a relatively early pick in the second round, and there's a pretty good crop of defensive prospects there. Um, is there anybody in that group you like, assuming they go center with that Ottawa pick? Well, uh, you know, I don't see anybody there who matches the same upside level uh, as in the first round, but um, there's a guy who I remember watching at the Hlink last year who's actually taken a bit of a step down uh, in, his, in his draft year, but who might be, you know, a guy who you can recoup some value there because uh, he's been a bit of a faller. Uh, and that's Cam Allen, who is a Canadian defenseman who plays for the Guelph Storm uh, in the OHL. And uh, he had a, he, he's had a bit of a rough go uh, this past year, but before that, he was like one of the top defensemen uh, on the Guelph Storm as a 16-year-old, and he was Canada's number one guy uh, at the uh, at the Holinka. Now he's 5'11". Um, he's a bit of a puck mover, uh, so you know he's a guy who I can see you taking in the second round. But I don't know, like given where the ranges of everything are, I'd be I'd be a little bit surprised to see them not come out of the first round with a defenseman. And you know I wouldn't be surprised to see them. Uh, trade up again and take on another bad contract again um, because I think, you know, it's so critical at this point. I mean, I think there's a very good chance that you get into that 12, 13, 14 range where Ottawa ends up picking and the best player available is a defenseman. Um, like, you can go center. It's it's such an interesting draft to me. Like, I, I, I and I don't even know if we've talked enough about the top end because I see a clear, you know, pool of six guys there. Um, with the top four of Bedard, Michkov, Carlson, and, uh, and Fantilli. And then, and then I see um, uh, Will Smith and, uh, and uh, Benson. And uh, after those guys, you know, I think it takes a big, big tumble down. If you can get one of those six guys, you know, I think you should be comfortable taking the defenseman at 15 or 14. Second round, though, you know, I don't know enough about those guys also as well. Cam Allen's just the one who really sticks out to me because he was projected to go in the first round. Um, but, yeah, I don't know about you guys. So I I actually have quite a few guys that I like in that that range. I'm I'm with you on the Cameron Allen. Um, that's more than likely something that or someone that they would have to package that second and you know either take on a bad contract or add an additional pick and move up into the late first round to get him. Um, there's there's a couple of guys though that I I do like in there. Uh, Caden Price, Oliver Bonk. Um, yep. Lindstein, those guys are are probably going to be in there. Um, Dmitry Simashev is another one that that I do like. He's he's a six four, two hundred pound left shot defenseman. He's playing. Um, uh, he's played between the KHL and the MHL this year. Yep. Doesn't really put up a lot of points, but he's not a bad skater for his size. He's got decent hockey IQ. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Kevin Ball, uh, who Arizona took in the second round a couple years ago, who's with New Jersey now, and who's making an impact over there. Um, he definitely fits the the Bill Armstrong mold. Um, uh, do you do you have any info on him? Is there anything you can tell us no, about him? Or is I he... haven't heard it. I haven't heard about him because uh, Russia, I don't think, played at the Holinka last year. I. Uh... I do know about Lindstein. I watched him and I watched Oliver Bonk. Uh, they were both there, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, Oliver Bonk, 
is is outpacing. There's another first round pick defenseman on his team who he's had a better season than, and uh, he's uh, yeah he's I mean obviously Radic Bonk's kid too, um, great name. And then with Lindstein, I seem to remember calling his name a lot too because he and Sandy and Pelica I think were Sweden's top two defensemen of that tournament. Um, so yeah, I mean I'm the last. I'm not I'm not a prospect guru. Like I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say, I got a top 32. Here's where all these guys shake out. There were guys who I like. There are guys who I've seen a lot of, like Braden Yeager and, and Crystal and, you know, maybe guys who aren't necessarily the, the Coyotes mold. But, um, you know, I, I think they've got areas where I like uh, where they're at and then areas where I think they got to address. And goaltending is one of those areas. Defense is another one of those areas. And honestly, you've got to have another center in there too. Like, I don't know if I see Connor Geeky. I like Connor Geeky. I don't know if I see him playing center in the NHL. Uh, and, you know, you got Hayton. Like, that's the thing. I, I think with Barrett Hayton, uh, you have that insurance there too. And Jack McBain, obviously, too. Um, but, but I, I you know, I think you got to – there's nothing wrong with having a whole bunch of center prospects and then having to shift a couple over to the wing uh, when it comes time to. Um, and you know what? Maybe Connor Geeky uh, turns into that, you know, big number two center – uh, when he gets to the NHL. Um, but, you know, I just think you got to have that insurance eventually. So, you know, I'd like to see them come out of this draft with, with a high end center, a high end defenseman, and maybe some more goaltending depth. So I'm going to mention two more uh, before we turn it over to Alex and Haynes. Um, let's assume that the Coyotes go center with their uh, native pick and potentially look at a defenseman in the second round. Like that's their, the, the direction they're leaning. What are your thoughts on a guy like uh, Colby Barlow, who has flown up everybody's draft board this year? He's scoring at an unbelievable pace. Yeah, Colby Barlow was another one of those guys who played for uh, the championship team, Canada team last year. And, uh, you know, he was he was real impressive. And he has continued to be really impressive with 44 goals this year. I think he's second among draft eligible guys in the CHL, I think, in goals this year. Uh, don't 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 cite me on that but he is he's got a lethal shot I remember him and Jaeger were two of the guys who were really really dangerous with that shot I'd like to see them go with you know a guy like Barlow more so than a Callum Ritchie uh, or you know I, I, I think you know when it comes to picking for size I think you can always get size in the second round but I think for the first round a guy like Barlow or a guy like Jaeger even a guy like Andrew Crystal like Crystal is a guy who is so divisive among scouts. I mean, you, you look at some guys, I think Elite Prospects has them in their top 10. And then uh, Corey Pronman just did his draft rankings and he has them at 33rd. It's like, that's a guy who can be so boom bust. And we've seen over the last couple of years, the Coyotes have passed on guys who have been boom bust. Uh, guys like Lane Hudson and, and uh, Logan Stanko. And I'd love to see them take one. You know, and I guess they did, what, they, they did it with Cooley over, over uh, right. But I'd love to see them make some more of those bets later on, too. The, the big jump, the big difference in boom bust as opposed to, you know, he's still got a high floor even if he isn't the guy. But segueing into what you're talking about, big guys in the second round, uh, the second one I wanted to talk about is uh, Charlie Strommel, um, center for Wisconsin, I believe. Um, I think he's got 12 points in 33 games, 6'3", 220 pounds. Um you have any thoughts on him? Yeah, Charlie Strommel is an interesting one to me because he's definitely one of the older players in this class. Um, he is definitely, like you said, he's already at college, which I think to me is both a good and a bad thing. Uh, when a guy is already at college at, at 17 uh, going on, I, I guess he, he turned 18 right as the season started. But, um, you know, Strommel is a guy who I think, I think you take maybe if you got three or four second rounders, which the Coyotes do. Um, but like, well, I think I, I don't remember how many they have this year, but, but, um, you know, you can always get extra picks, but like with Strommel, I, I, I don't see a guy who has the same upside as some of the other guys who are available in that second round. Uh, and it's nothing against him as a player. It's just, I'm not sure if he, he kind of strikes me as a player who might peak a little bit early. Um, you know, who, who has his physical advantages. He kind of reminds me of a guy who Calgary picked. A couple of years ago, uh, Yan Kuznetsov uh, in the second round because he's just this really big defenseman who was playing uh, at UConn, I think, as a 17-year-old. 
and he looked so so confident against guys who were way older than him. And then when he caught up to those guys in age, he didn't really look the same. Um, he didn't he didn't you know he didn't catch up in the same way. And so I'm a little bit leery about that. I can see the reason to pick him. I'm also kind of reminded when I think of Strommel, I think of a guy who I watched really closely last year in Rieger Lorenz, uh, who played for the AJHL team in my hometown. And he's gone to Denver this year and, again, just not really found his game. So, you know, I think there's reasons to like and to not like. I think, you know, and look at a guy who maybe you can pair with Jack McBain years down the road. Maybe that fits the sort of build and profile, but I think you can maybe aim a little bit higher. Yeah, I think uh, Matt covered most of the guys I uh, I had notes on, but I do have to say Kobe Barlow is probably my personal biggest draft crush going into this year. Would love to see him with that sense pick. I know my big my big issue with this draft is as far as defense goes, if Pelica and Reinbacher are gone by that sense pick, I, there's not a lot of guys I like in that range. Um, yeah. Yeah. And next year is almost a complete flip of this draft where it's in, where it looks so far to be incredibly defense heavy. I'd like to get a couple good prospects out of this sometime, either like I said with that sense pick or early in the second round, but um yeah, anyway, just gotta add overall skill to the prospect pool right now. I think that's the biggest goal. Hundred percent. They need more puck moving. Hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I still think the Coyotes are going to regret passing on Lane Hudson so many times last year, especially the way he's looked so far. Um, yep. A lot of teams. But, are. but let's just hope. Let's just hope the DMBA nails this draft and we uh, come out of this with a couple grade A type prospects to build around. Yeah, my uh, final thoughts on my, – sorry, my, I'm just going to – my final thoughts here on defense. You know, Dragasevich is another guy who I like um, who's projected to go more maybe later in the first round. My guess with Reinbacher is he's rising. I think we're going to maybe even see a Mason McTavish scenario where he goes from being like a top 30 pick to a top 10 pick to maybe even a top 5 pick. That's the way that people are starting to perceive him, um, which could be good, could be bad, could be a bit of a red flag. I don't know if I would have him in the top five, but nevertheless, another guy who I'm kind of curious about is Ryan Johnson, um, who was, was already drafted in the first round a few years ago, um, playing at Minnesota um, with Logan Cooley. Uh, he's going to be a college free agent soon. He's a guy who I would expect to see. And I'm not saying this based on anything that I know, but he's just a guy who I'd expect to see a lot of interest in and maybe even Arizona interested in because he fits what they need really well. And, you know, if Cooley's coming here, maybe his teammate comes along with him too. Just a guy to keep an eye on because I think as far as the undraft or as far as the college free agent class goes, he's one of the better ones. Oh yeah, Ryan Johnson looks real good. Um, I've watched quite a few. I live up in Minnesota, so I've watched quite a few of the Golden Gophers games, and he always sticks out. Um, wouldn't mind getting him as a college free agent. Just add a little bit more depth to that prospect pool. Uh, but Haynes, did you have anything you wanted to add? No, you know, Mike actually mentioned a guy that I think is someone, you know, um, you're looking at, if you get a later first round pick here, early second, if he's available is, is Lucas Dragosevich. I think, um, you know, he's been, he's been tearing up pretty well in the WHL this year, you know, at one point at 56 points in his first 47 games. I mean, he's, he, he's been a pretty hot defenseman this year. And I think if the Coyotes don't get a chance to take, some of these other guys you all been mentioning here at the first, I think he's a guy that definitely, if the Caius can get him at the right time and, you know, he falls to the second round, the Caius would be, you know, foolish not to take him. I think like we have mentioned, you know, Mike said defense is the biggest area for the Caius right now to try to develop. Um, you know, we've mentioned center before and they never really had that key centerman in the organization's history. And, um, that's obviously something the Coyotes need to work on down the line, but, um, defense, I mean, it's not a big area losing Jacob Chikrin, this year, training away to Ottawa, you opened a really big hole in an area that was already not very deep, and now you made it much, uh, much more shallow after moving him. So um, I, I really like Lukas Dragosevich. I think he's got everything that you'd want in an NHL player who I think within you know a year or two could easily be NHL ready, If even though he already looks like sometimes when you see him play, looks like he could be NHL ready by now. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, the Coyotes' main concern here after that first, you know, first pick they get in the early couple picks around the first round is it's got to be defense. And I know that Armstrong has looked at that. And, you know, I know he's he's talking to his scouts about that. They've been looking around everywhere there. But um, you, you got to build every area. Um, the center position, the defensive position are two key areas for building uh, some depth in. So you need to add some depth there. Goaltending, obviously, is another area that the Coyotes um, – need to you know look at we really have never had that it man goalie I mean we've we've done really well reviving a lot of careers with some NHL goaltenders that have come through Arizona and you know I could talk all day on that but um the guys need to uh they need to shore up some places on their team for sure um you know Lamaru is the only guy right now who's our best defensive prospect and he's probably a good you know three years at most maybe longer away from I think being a real a real threat on the blue line so I, I think the Coyotes definitely realize that and uh I'll be interested to see who sits there when that when the second first round pick rolls around um and you know I'd, I'd love to see who's sitting there day two and who, who the Coyotes would be interested in taking it around two. so Mike sticking yeah. with yeah. defense um having covered Calgary uh and the Wranglers um Give us your thoughts on Valimaki and, and what you've seen as he developed in Calgary's system, what maybe led to him being waived. Um, are Coyotes fans watching Valimaki um, evolve into what Calgary thought he would be when they took him in the first round a couple years back? Um, you know, is, is this who he is? Do you see a higher ceiling? What can you tell us? Yeah, Yusuf Valimaki's story in Calgary is really twofold um, in that he was drafted to be, you know, a, a, a two-way puck mover who could also really shut you down. And he made the flames out of camp at age 19, and, and he was killing off five-on-threes, and he was doing a really good job. And then he got a high ankle sprain, and he was out until the playoffs, and they replaced him with Oscar Fantenberg, who didn't do as good a job. And then the next year, he gets hurt, uh, tears his ACLs out for the whole year, comes back after playing in Finland and tearing it up over there, and all of a sudden, Daryl Sutter's his head coach, and they don't get along. It's not a it's not a harmonious partnership. It's just not it's just not a good fit. And so, Valimaki, I think, is a guy who suffered from, I would say, a mix of three things in Calgary. He he suffered from a lack of confidence. He suffered from a lack of mobility stemming from his injury, and then he just uh, suffered from a lack of opportunity as well. And, um, you know, he, he did get playing time during the 2020-21 pandemic shortened season, which was a season completely in flux for Calgary. And I also think, you know, when he was playing, they never really played him with anybody who was really fleet of foot. They would always play him with a guy like Michael Stone, who has had his you know, lower body issues himself and who was, um, you know, nobody could really get back very quickly. And so that pairing was often very exposed. And then Yuso gets sent down to the American League, where he spends most of the 21-22 season. and. There, I think what the, the use of Alamaki we saw, I was really critical of use of Alamaki's play last year. And I think it was a mix of, again, still dealing with the same mobility issues and also just not seeing a path forward for himself in the organization and feeling a little bit, you know, just completely discombobulated. And so he comes to Arizona and the pressure's off and he's played, I would say, like a top four defenseman. Um, I would say he's played, I mean, on Arizona, he's been arguably one or two. I would say if he's not too, um, but around the league, I think he's playing a, at a top four level on most teams, a four five level. Um, now, Uso is 24. Uh, I think, you know, he got that one year deal. He can't sign a contract extension off of that until January 1st. But, you know, if he keeps playing like this, I would go as far as to say that I think he's probably the best defenseman in the system, um, which it isn't really a great, uh, endorsement of the Coyotes' defense system because I'm just not a huge fan of a lot of the guys they've drafted on defense. I, I don't mind Maverick Nemiru, but I think they picked him too high. Uh, I think Artem Duda is still a huge question mark. He's missed half the season. He hasn't played since mid-December. Um, and then the rest of the guys, I mean, I mean beyond that, it's Soderstrom who is up and down and who I've really liked lately. But, you know, then it's Valimaki and Moser. And, and they both sort of played similar minutes this year and Valimaki's done a whole lot better if you ask me and that's not a sled against JJ Moser I just think Valimaki's done a better job and so you know with Yuso I think uh I think the sky's the limit for Yuso I think 
he was drafted with the potential of being, you know, top pair guy. Uh, injuries might prevent him from ever getting there. And I'm not saying future injuries. I'm just saying the, the, the what's left over from what he had, that ACL injury was killer. Um, but he's done way better than I ever anticipated he would in Arizona. I've watched almost all his games in Arizona. And uh, the mobility is less of an issue than I thought it would be because um, Calgary really never tried this. They're playing him with a with partners who can really move. Like that's what we've seen with Yuso almost all season. He's been playing with Stetcher or he's been playing with Goss Despair. And more recently, he's been playing with Soderstrom. And so the pairing has some insulation back there because they always have a guy who can get back. Um, and so, yeah, I've really liked what I've seen. And give it a little bit of time, give it a couple more years, I could see him signing long term. Yeah, I've really enjoyed watching Val Malky's rise this year, and I really like what I've seen from him as well. Um, I'd like to believe we have our second pair of the future between, or at least half of our second pair of the future between one of him or Moser. Uh, we'll see how that all shapes out, of course, but he's become one of my favorite players with the way he's played and how he stepped up to the bat with all of that. I absolutely love watching him play right now. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, as an outsider looking in, though, how is the uh, Daryl Sutter situation up there? Uh, it just yeah. seems like he's constantly in the news right now. So, Yeah, it definitely goes up and down up here. I'm of the belief that the Flames need to make a coaching change. Um, you know, and I think, again, it goes up and down. They won yesterday uh, despite being heavily outplayed by the Wild. Um, they're probably going to miss the playoffs this year. I think Huberto needs a reset away from with a, with a new with some new structure, and I think the same could be said for a lot of the roster because they're pretty much locked into the 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 contracts they have up here. Um, you know, it's it's not been pretty at times up here, um, and I, I I get the sense that there are guys on the team who would like a reset and a refresh. Um, I don't know if they'll get it. I think Daryl uh, has a lot of a lot of favor around here. Um, and you know, I have nothing personal against Daryl. I just think um, I just think you, you they're getting to the point where they need to make a change. I agree with that. I I kind of feel like he's hitting that Dave Tippett wall uh, where yeah. he was what he did with the Kings historic. Um, he's a phenomenal coach. But eventually you get to a point where you can't evolve with the game and the way the game is played today. And I think that that's a big deal um, for a guy like Sutter. Um, his his system obviously doesn't fit the kind of guys that they've got in Calgary right now. No disagreements here. Yeah. Yeah, I've had, I've had issues with him ever since. Uh, oh, I'm about to butcher this last name. Ever since he pulled that stunt after Pelletier's last game, did I, did I say that right? Pelletier. After he pulled that stunt after his first game, that just that rubbed me really the wrong way, and I've had issues mm-hmm. with him ever since. So, just yeah, you gotta. It's, it's a hot button topic. You better let your yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, it was the same when when uh, when. Uh, when Rick Tockett was going out in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, Tyler, what do we have coming up next? Uh, I think, judging by the time, we probably should get the guests uh, Mount Rushmore, our tradition, uh, out of the way, just in case he has to uh, go kind of early or whatever he has to do going on down there. Uh, so we have a tradition here on the show where every guest kind of does their own Call it Mount Coyotes more. I'll let you do one for both Calgary and the Coyotes if you'd like, just to kind of spice it a little bit. So if you want to I'll give us your top Arizona. four, I'll keep it. Okay. Arizona. Then top four all-time Coyotes that should be on the mountain. Oh boy. Okay. So I'm gonna go with for me because guys like Keith Kachuk and Tempo Newman and predate me. So I'm gonna keep it more recent. Uh, let's see. Who would I start out with? You know what? I'm gonna start out with uh, with Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz back to back. Uh, because I, I don't think you can have one on there without the other. I think uh, their partnership has been one of the mar- most harmonious that we've seen uh, in Arizona in a very long time. And they just play off each other so well. 
makes you wonder why they weren't together under Rick Tockett. But, uh, you know, they've, they've done one heck of a job. And uh, there's nothing that there, – there are very few things in the NHL quite like watching Clayton Keller pass that puck over to Schmaltz and just having him ha- hammer at home. Um, beyond that, I'll put Ray Whitney on there. I'll have him at three uh, just because I think his individual seasons – uh, when he was here, were some of the greatest that we've seen, uh, some of the most productive and obviously helping the team get to uh, as far as it has ever been uh, in in 2012. And as for spot number four, that is a tricky one. Uh, I could go with Shane Doan, but for some reason, I just never felt as connected with Shane Doan as some people, uh, some other people did. Uh, Ekman Larson was cool. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know who I'd go with for number four. That is That is a tricky one. Uh, so this isn't limited to just on ice if you have that is true in the front office all right i'll put i'll put andre i'll put andre turney in there just because i've always had excellent interactions with andre and uh very i think he's done an excellent job of uh of balancing the different personalities and the different players on the team um i think he's done a really good job of bringing some guys careers back Uh, i was talking about Lawson Krause on the timeline today and you know how he was at four goals the year before Turney comes in and I was a consistent 20 goal scorer and, and uh you know that's 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 you got to credit that to the head coach and he's done that for guys like Schmaltz and Keller he's the reason they're together uh and, and Barrett Hayton and Yusuf Alamagi and those kinds of guys so yeah I'll go with I'll go with uh Turnier to wrap it up I like it one like thing it. one thing I love about the Turnier ad is one thing that really stands out about him and the impact he's had coaching is you watch some of these other bottom feeder teams and it's like, oh, if they go down by two goals, it's over. It's done. They quit trying. They're playing they're out, the string. Team out there. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the Coyotes, you get down by two goals, it's not over yet. They're still going to be quit. given their all out there. It's just. They never quit. Yeah. I cannot say enough good things about about Coach Bear, and he has done absolutely remarkable things for this team. I another guy who is just oh, I love that addition. Love that. Yeah, that's a good one. There you go. I love. There you go. It. Perfect. It's amazing what he's done with this roster too. I mean, there's just some oh, times yeah. where I'm like, "How are we? We're beating who? <laughs> what? We came back from what? So yeah, it's only get better." Uh, Dylan Gunther and Logan Cooley and Leo Carlson to this team, and it'll be a whole boy. Oh, I can't oh. wait. I'm excited. Oh, man. It's the moment we've been it. waiting. Yeah, it's the moment <laughs> we've been waiting since the start of this rebuild for. No yeah. kidding. It's the moment we've been waiting years for before the date of this <laughs> rebuild, but. Yeah. Oh. I, might, I might be the only one not on the Leo Carlson bandwagon. I, <laughs> I and, and the only reason I'm I feel that way is everybody's got a, a type of player that they want to see around. And Leo Carlson is, he fits all of the things I want to see, except his skating ability. And to me, skating's the most important part of the game. Um, quite honestly, if, if Reinbacher really moved up that far and it came between Reinbacher and Carlson and you take a guy like Oliver Moore, um, to get a guy like Oliver Moore skating and him potentially being your 2C. I, that That's a personal opinion. It's not the smart thing to do. It's the reason why I'm not an NHL GM. <laughs> um, but, I, man, Dylan Strom soured me on taking guys that can't skate that high. Yeah, no, it's, it's an absolutely a, a fair point to make. Um, you know, I think – the other comparison that I've seen made for Carlson at times is, is Alexander Barkov. And I mean, Barkov's never had the greatest skating either. So, you know, I think you, I think you hit on a pretty good point there about skating though. Cause I think with Connor geeky, you've already got a guy who you want to play at center, who isn't the most fleet of foot. So I, I think they might want to put some, some eggs in different baskets. And there's a lot of guys. I mean, Zach Benson, Zach Benson's a guy who get, think gets, really underrated by a lot of guys too. So um, no matter who they pick, I think, pardon me, big size issue there. I think big size issue, but you know what? You got, you got big guys on this team. And if he's as good as everybody says he is, you can, you can live with a guy who's five, nine or five, 10. If you put him with, you know, got put, put Lawson Krause on his way. There you go. 
That's my height. So it makes me, gives me hope that maybe I could have become a pro athlete. You know, the more I see Kyler Murray's and five, <laughs> nine people, I'm like, there we go. Short Kings out here, baby. We got this. It's our league too. Maybe not the well, NBA, with, but the rest with, of it. with that, with that, I should probably dip out, but thank you guys so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Oh yeah. Thank you. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks Mike. Want to do it more. Pleasure, man. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get you back hey. on again soon. If you don't mind. Absolutely. Anytime. Oh yeah. Definitely. All right. Thanks, Mike. Have a great night. Talk to you all later. Cheers. See you later. All right. Thanks again, Mike, for that. Sorry I butchered the intro there. And sorry to step away from one of you guys didn't hear me much today. Dog was going crazy. Just had to go and step away. So, all right. Let's carry on with the rest of the show here. It looks like we've pretty much covered actually a lot of things here. Um, so, Randy, I think we have news for a website that is new and uprising. I think. I'll let you say it. Yeah, so I don't know if you follow me or Tyler on Twitter, but if you do, you would have seen both me and him have recently started writing for Arizona Sports Underground. We are going to be writing Coyotes content for him, among other things. For instance, I have a little tidbit in a Robert Ory piece coming up as a little teaser. And I got a Um, Phoenix Rising piece coming out. To mark the season starting, so, so so yeah, we're going to be doing mainly Coyotes content, but uh, dabbling in the other sports as well. And it's something we're really excited to do. Writing has been something I've wanted to do for the Coyotes almost my entire adult life. So it's something I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to do. I thank uh, the great people at AZ Sports Underground for giving me this opportunity, and I look forward to this partnership. So, I do too. And, mm-hmm. and one thing that I am incredibly grateful for is me and Tyler are close friends. We talk all the time. I'm really glad that I can take my bud and we're both part of this mm-hmm. experience. So Yeah, when uh Jackie messaged me, I was like, I I gotta make sure my buddy eats too. I was like, I for sure I have to. So it was immediate. Glad they took us both, glad we can get all this content going out for you guys. It'd be like the chirping yotes, but written. So you just see my thoughts not only here. But on your little phone, you're reading, going to the bus or, you know, the restroom or on the office. I mean, that's great. You can't go wrong with that, and, right? And you don't have to hear Tyler mangle the name. And Thank you don't God. have to deal with his spelling mistakes because we have an editor. Thank God for that. Oh, my MacBook, makes, there's a lot of red. It's definitely like, hey, buddy. I'm like, hey, look, Mac. <laughs> look, look. You didn't pay uh, me to be a, a grammar person. Unfortunately, well, guys, content from your favorite co-host is still going to be through Chirpin' Yotes podcast. <laughs> I'm currently a free agent not writing for anyone. <laughs> you hear that, Laurel? Do you hear that? Uh, oh, my goodness. That was fun. It was really awesome that he was able to come on the show today. Sorry about the things just kind of went crazy there for a while. But, okay. Well, actually, uh let's just say anything else you guys want to cover i think that was all the notes that i had personally so unless you guys have anything you want to add uh we the only can thing the only thing worth retouching right now um coyotes keep winning at mullet and it's starting to mm-hmm. become a problem for the tank um it looked like we were having a great week as far as other teams picking up points and arizona just they won't lose uh jack mcbain scored a very unfortunate goal with about a minute and a half left against New Jersey and picked up a point there. That chirp. Yeah. Oh my God. That was awesome. Liam O'Brien. That was awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> You're so fucking ugly. Uh, there's no way you got laid in Halifax. Yep. That's for sure it. <laughs> oh, that, that was great. That's an all time. That was awesome. Um, and, and I, I wish the other teams in Arizona, well, I guess the Suns do, but. I mean, look at the Cardinals. I mean, they don't they they put like crap for home at home. You know, they they don't. God, I think they hate their fans. I'm convinced. So, <laughs> Can't convince me otherwise. There's a running one joke thing. leading into the Super Bowl that the winner of the Super Bowl was going to have more wins uh, in Arizona this year than the Cardinals. Yeah, Each team painful. won one game. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, you know, new uh, GM, new head coach, new coaching staff. We'll see what happens. Probably the same thing, but, you know, I'll keep that blind hope. Why not? One thing I do want to touch on with that, too, on the home ice advantage. I've only recently started doing the studying on this because I have planned on either making this a topic on the pod or a future article. But it's so far in my study, it's 
shown a lot of first year arenas tend to have a pretty decent boost in home ice winning that tends to go back down to normal the year after. Um, I do worry that that's the case here because the ice is, I mean, everybody comments on how different the ice feels, how different the boards are, all of that, all of it affects how it gets played. I do worry that you're, we're going to see a little bit of a downswing from that, but I don't think it's going to be too much of a overall net negative because we should be a better team with Cooley and Gunther. We're still not going to be the best standings-wise, but just we're going to be fun, and that's the important part next year. We're going to be fun, and we're going to see the importance coming up. But I'm definitely going to keep doing the studying and seeing if it's just the few I've looked into it as an anomaly or not. But we'll just see how it goes. Well, I wouldn't mind seeing a, a trend in the right direction next year. Um, considering how defensive heavy next year's draft could potentially be. Um, yeah, I mean, you obviously in a rebuild, you always want a top five pick, but... If we see them take the step that Detroit took this year um, or, you know, a team like Ottawa or Buffalo where, yeah, you're you're still not a playoff team, but you're no longer, you know, a basement team. You start seeing some progression that, that lasts from more than just Keller and Schmaltz. You want to see Hayton, you know, he's on a 60-point pace over his last 30 games or whatever. You want to see that from him for an entire season next season. Um, you know, you want to see Kraus continue to score 25 goals. With In terms of goal scoring, Keller is probably the only one with a, a real shot at hitting 30, unless Schmaltz continues to score, you know, basically a goal a game at the rate he's going right now. Um, but you'd like to see, you know, Kraus maybe hit 30 goals next year. You might want to see Matias Michelli not finish a season in single-digit goals with, you know, 40 assists. You get him going. Those are the things that I'm I'm looking for next year. And maybe, you know, they're picking somewhere from 10 to 14 on their own next year. Um, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I'd, I'd thoroughly enjoy seeing that out of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've been very... Very clear that this could be the last year of the tank. Um, I hope so. Very oh insistent that this should be the last year of the tank. I don't think our record's going to be that great next year still because young teams just don't win. And depending on how this research I'm doing into the home ice thing goes, we do have that factor as well. But... uh. This is the last year of the tank. This is the last year of cheering for losses. This is the last year of scoreboard watching teams at the bottom to see who wins around us because, quite frankly, it won't matter if we get a top five pick because we have our core of the future there. Um, one thing I did bring up when Mike was on the show was with Ryan Bar since he brought up... Uh, McTavish, as who the is a sent up the draft boards, kind of reminds me of a Mo Cedar almost, where in his he just seems like he's going to be quote unquote overdrafted because he's one of the better defensemen in the draft and um in a draft like this with without a lot of good defensemen, they do tend to get overdrafted. But I don't think anybody would sit there and say the Red Wings overdrafted Mo Cedar two years later. So no. No, I do. Oh, and go that's ahead, Matt. Inter- that's an interesting point with with Cider because even at the draft when Detroit took him at eight, he was projected to go what twenty, early twenties, maybe late teens. Um, everybody looked at it like Detroit just drafted. Tyler Boucher. And, you know, it, it was the worst thing in the world. What were they doing? There was at least four defensemen better on the board. So, yeah, I I 100% agree with you there. This this looks a lot like 
like his progress or his um ascendancy up a lot of people's draft boards. Yeah, it's definitely he's an intriguing name. There's so many forwards. There's so many forwards. I don't want to take him with our top pick, but I also really wouldn't mind trading up into the eight, nine, ten range if you can to draft him because I really don't think he'll be there at the Sens pick. But if you could come out of this draft with uh, Will Smith and Reinbacher, I think this is an A plus draft almost no matter what you do with the rest of the picks. Just getting those two to solidify the top end of your prospect pool would be huge. Well, you almost have to expect this to be the end of the tank because quite honestly, they don't have any more assets, um, you know, that they're looking to move. Uh, Armstrong talked about the core and Keller and Schmaltz being a very big part of that core, Kraus as well. Uh, he included Vimelka in that. If if these guys are your core and you're not moving them unless somebody makes you an offer you legitimately can't refuse, um, you know, I, that's not to say I don't see them taking on some bad contracts over the summer, continue to stack draft capital, but you really can't get to a point where you're any worse without moving Keller or Schmaltz at this point. Those guys are worth the wins that we're seeing. And to put another thing in perspective with that, another name that he mentioned that I was most intrigued by him throwing into the core was Jack McBain, because that tells you we essentially have half of the starting lineup he sees going into the future, or half of the lineup, I should say, going into the future. I mean, he mentioned a lot of our forward group we have. So there's not a whole lot of, uh, there's not a ton of holes that need to be filled. You obviously want prospect depth. You need all of that, and we're not there yet. But we're getting closer, and we're getting closer in a very excitedly, excitedly way. That made no sense, and. I have no idea what I was trying to say, but anyways, uh, exciting. Along. I think yes, right? Exciting. Yes. I don't know. Hey, look, I, I butchered it earlier today in the podcast, so I think we're even now. So uh, it's Matt's turn next, I think. But I just hope it's the last year of the tank. I, I really hope so. I mean, not that I, you know, I know we've said it earlier, but I'm just, I'm ready just to happy. I'm okay with being a bad young team. I'm just tired of. Oh, the Cowboys took on this many contracts. Should they be investigated? The answer is no. CBA agreed to it, so no. It's a quick squash. But on that too, nice. real quick. On that too, real mm-hmm. quick. GMBA himself said, "Look, this is part of the CBA." He said he thinks the CBA will change that aspect in the next, uh, in the next contract negotiations. He thinks it will change, but until it does, it's part of the CBA. It's part of the negotiation process, and it's part of something that allows him to stack up more assets, and he will use it no matter what some media. So, so my, my biggest issue with this whole thing being a problem in the first place is, let's say Shea Weber's still in Montreal. Let's say Voracek's still in Columbus. Um, uh, all these these players, these bad contracts, the dead money, Brian Little, Andrew Ladd, that the Coyotes have taken on, um, let's say they're not here. Other teams who are against the cap then don't have the players on their roster that they have now that they're paying, and Arizona is still just going to bring themselves over the floor. So why why is it such a big deal to use that free cap space to bring in draft assets if teams are going to pay out the same amount of money either way. Insurance is going to cover Voracek in Columbus, but because it's in Arizona, it's a problem. I That's that's what I don't get about this whole thing. I saw a Scott Wheeler tweet that actually made me laugh about it. He said, bad GMs everywhere, 
need to be scared of when the coyotes come out of their problems anymore. No, exactly. I was going to say some of that. So, it's coming. The coyotes are going to be good. The coyotes will stop taking these contracts on very soon. Um, It's just... It's ridiculous being this big of an issue. It's ridiculous that this is being made this big of an issue when nobody has, or I shouldn't say nobody had an issue, but when the problem is with these older guys signing these eight-year contracts in the first place that they know they're never going to see the end of. GMs are artificially inflating these deals to make the average AAV smaller that bites them in the ass towards the end of it every time. And you see it time and time and time again because these guys just wind up not being able to stay healthy through the end of their career. And then when they're making the million dollars at the end of the year, why would they want to keep risking putting their body through this? So, again, this goes back to bad GMs making bad contract extensions far more than it does the Coyotes take on. We bailed them out. I mean, they, those, like you said, you know, Shea Weber still be where he's at. I mean, the only reason why they hate it is because it's a desert team that they don't like. They have a negative. I think if maybe another team, I don't even know. Uh, some neutral team Ottawa would have done it or something. I don't know. Insert team here. I don't think it'd be that big of a deal. I think there is a bit of a media menace to the Coyotes a little bit. Not, you know, not crazy, obviously, but just a little bit. But I think it's fun because we'll be good in a couple of years and Canada will know what to do with it. So honestly, I'm here for it. Though it is annoying, but. Haynes, any thoughts? No, I mean, y'all, y'all kind of have been just kind of listening to y'all talk about the whole. You know, just kind of everything, I mean, is a, an interesting topic. I mean, we get I get asked all the time on Twitter. I, I argue with people all the time on Twitter and on Facebook about it. And, you know, I try to stay out of it. But, um, I mean, there's nothing the Kais are doing that isn't against the rules. I mean, they're, they're, they're complying within the rules of the league and all that. Um, I mean, I understand people think it's, "Quote unquote," you know, embarrassing and and pro- poverty that the Coyotes are taking on these contracts. But I mean, we see these assets are getting returned, and if you're telling me I just got to pay a retired player, you know, seven million dollars for one year, and you're going to give me a third round pick, almost any team in the league would do it if they had the cap space. So you you can rip on the Coyotes if you want to, but any team would do it if it meant they could get somewhere between a second and third round pick to take on someone's dead contract. Nine percent of the if any team in the league is going to do it. So I don't see an issue with them doing it. I don't understand why people see an issue with them doing it. But then again, um, like I've said before, people, a lot of people that aren't in Arizona don't cover the team, don't follow the team, don't really care to check facts or look into anything with the team situation. So I wouldn't expect them to know anything in the first place about it. Yeah. I mean, they still want to have an expansion team to Hamilton. So, I mean, you know. Why not? Can't wait till we talk about that next week, but that's just a little teaser, I guess. Yep, definitely is. But, I mean, uh, I think that's pretty much all the notes I got again. So, I mean, so, if people are ready to wrap it up, we can get on out of here. I, so I have, like, two quick questions after Matt on Ada. Oh, no, oh, I didn't. No, oh, I no? scratched that already. Yeah, I've got to take it off the note uh, thing. No, I no just said two things I want to add real fast if it was real if that was okay. Um yeah, first go off, ahead. I want to say, yeah. First off, I want to say um congrats to both you, Tyler, and to you, Grandy, on y'all, you know, writing now for AZ Underground. I'm so incredibly happy for you guys. You know, I came to this pod as a guest not so long ago. Once upon a time I came on this pod as a as a guest and uh, just had started writing for the Hockey Riders not too long before then, and I got offered to come and join y'all full-time, and I was the only writer. So, you know, it, it felt kind of weird being the guy here that was, you know, the writer, the guy that would talk about his articles that he was writing and all that. So I'm happy to have two guys in the uh, 
with me now on the podcast that are writers and you know i've read both y'all's work so far and i I love what you guys put out and i you know can't wait to see what else you guys put out and all that i'm happy not to be the uh odd man out staying on the island by myself anymore um real fast add to that uh anybody that's looking to sign matt to a a deal to write for them should definitely hit him up get the whole podcast right and gotta get chase in there as well but uh no i i'm 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 happy for you guys and congrats to you guys for uh getting in there and all that and you know Hey, if you ever want to spot the hockey writers, I am the only guy there um, just struggling to keep pay with everything and a busy work schedule and all that. So, uh, Matt, if you're looking to write, uh, the Coyotes on the hockey writers definitely could use you on the page. But um, the last thing I want to add, and this is a quick shout out to someone real fast that, you know, um, we, we, I mean, I guess you guys may have talked about in the last, you know, last podcast or so that I wasn't on, but um, I just want to talk to modern rock stars. Um, anybody that, you know, obviously it follows the team probably saw their uniforms, the warm up uniforms they wore celebrating black excellence. Um, they partnered with modern rock stars to get those done. The logos, those jerseys were really, really cool looking. Coyote skull head with the real life Coyote body and the form of the Kachina logo playing hockey. They released a really, really cool shirt with it that I bought that has the same logo. It's a full body coyote with the skull head wearing the Kachina jersey, the pants, playing hockey. It's it's a really cool look. Um, I just want to give a shout out to them and what they did and you know, and a shout out to JT Holmes. Um he is uh, you know, he's the founder of Mon Rockstar. He's he's the guy for Mon Rockstars. I wanna give a shout out to him because uh those those are some really cool jerseys that he put out there and uh some a pretty sick shirt that he made as well. So I just wanna give some love to him and you know, a love to all the people that work with the coyotes and you know, make all these cool kind of specialty warm up things and all that and collab with the team. So that was the end of what I wanted to say. I just wanted to congratulate you guys. You know, give a little shout out to Matt if he's looking for work. Um and then just uh, a shout out to JT Holmes and Modern Rockstars. You guys, you guys killed it with your uh, with your collab here. What's funny, real quick, is uh, the Modern Rockstars jersey inspired my article, but I forgot to mention them in said article. So you know, I'm obviously a grade A journalist, as you can tell. So <laughs> I saw it, I was like, "That's my first article." And I was typing it up. I was like, "Yeah, it looks good." And then you're like, hey, "Modern Rock," I'm like, "Uh, huh?" Skip well, you know, why about citing sources? <laughs> you know, I, look. I mean, you know, <laughs> happens. You know, uh, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. It was built in like two or something. I don't know. I'm not a historian, but but that's it, boys. I think we're ready to wrap it up. I'll get this edited and sent out again. Thank you to Mike for coming on here and busy schedule. So freaking cool. He's in the bottom of this saddle dome. That's awesome. Just casually, oh yeah, saddle dome. Like, oh wow, you know, hey, that's awesome. I'm in my freaking bedroom. You know, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. So. That was great. Thanks for coming on again. So, any last thoughts, boys, before we let the people go? Yeah, just uh, again, as we were saying at the end of every episode, don't forget to check out what Tempe Wins is doing. Don't forget, if you are a Tempe resident, to register to vote. Get out and vote May 16th. Let us get the, the three par positions, 301, 302, and 303 passed. So, we can get past this chapter of Arizona Coyotes history and into bigger, better, and brighter things for both the Coyotes and for Tempe. So, yeah, like I said, I speak with the podcast here. If you have any questions about Martin Fermo, I think any one of us should be gladly to tell you to go to the right pages or give you the information you need. So please feel free to reach out and Tempe wins. If you're listening to this as well, you know, we'll gladly offer what we can do um, to help with that cause. Matt, any last regards before we... No, Pop no, smoke. this was a great show, guys. I I had a lot of fun tonight. Um, as of right now, unfortunately, I have to say Detroit won in regulation uh, after Chicago held a three-two oh, lead. Bad for the tank, uh, but you know, helps helps with the Ottawa you know situation. Detroit just a point back there now. Uh, right now, Van- Vancouver and Anaheim, Vanaheim, uh, are tied at one uh, end of the first period. So. Hoping for a three-point game there. Honestly, wouldn't mind seeing Vancouver win that. Let them keep pulling ahead. But uh, that's all I got for tonight. Real quick, I do just want to throw out there how much more exciting it is to be score-watching when it's a playoff race versus a tank race. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, watching uh, this I... whole is Ottawa going to make it or not has been thoroughly enjoying, thoroughly enjoyable. And it's only been, what, four days? 
Yeah, it's just it's so much more fun watching playoff races than it is tank races. So I just it's been it's been fun. Our but, time is coming, boys. Our time is coming. Yeah, sooner rather than later. I hope sooner so. rather than later, especially if fingers crossed we jump up to Winter Bernard. Almost feel like you can't even say the word Bedard, it's going to jinx it. He who should not be named. Ugh. Yeah, well, I, mean, I if like you that. Look at, if you look at every lottery in the last six years, it seems like a team outside of the top two ends up with at least one of those spots. So that's got to pan out well for the Coyotes at some point, right? The statistically. Like I said, I. I'm not even asking for Bedard here. I will be I am. thrilled with Fantilli. I will be excited. Well, Tyler, that's Fantilli. because you guys are the same height, right? Yes. Short Kings, baby. Short <laughs> Kings. It's our league now, boys. It's our league now. The average height and the average weight, baby. 165.59. That's it. Take that to the bank. So now... Are you ready to end? Want to yes, let's, let's end it. <laughs> All right. So, with that, thank you, boys, again. And again, thank you, Mike, for coming on. We will see you in the next one.